Okay, good afternoon. Um, with the Hoover of still struggle more with the trees or with the linear algebra? Everything. Sorry? You haven't been rotating enough. So the, the trick is that when you move to more advanced topics, like even these random projections three for the multidimensional search, then you need to have the knowledge of the trees and the and the Linear algebra, so many different uh, things. Individually, they, are, they sh all should be relatively easy, and uh, that's why when you start combining them, you should have the proper foundations on, uh, on both sides. And uh, on the other hand, if you think of uh, when did you study the, all the planes and points and all perpendicular parallel formulas of different planes, then uh, uh, how, how could somebody motivate all of these things for future uh, use cases? Without the motivation, why one or the other thing is important, of course, it's very hard to just abstractly learn. We keep uh, talking today about heaps, maybe for about half an hour. Quite sure how, how much time do I put in here. And then move on to to making as minimal data structures as possible, the succinct data structures. So, uh, heaps, we already went through the basic concept of the heap. Heap is a, like, like a queue, it's, it's a, you throw in to the collection, you data values, but you always, when you retrieve, you want to retrieve such a value that has the highest priority. There could be a bunch of values, and we always care about the one that is of highest priority, the single one, if the keys are unique, or the, or the values are unique. Uh, and, of course, there are many different ways to achieve this, and we went through the, the binary heap representation, uh, storing the binary heap level by level, just in a single array, the values. No single link, no single pointer, just implicitly everything is in this array, yet it represents the tree. And that, by the way, is a perfect example of the succinct data structures. This is as small representation as possible. We don't spend anything to represent the tree. Perhaps only the size, but how big the tree is. The only information about the tree is how large the tree is. Uh, so this is the, uh, the first textbook 
uh, heap. Um, and you, sorry? I. First, second, third, fourth, fifth element stores value 10. Fifth element's children are at positions 10 and 11, 2 times i and 2 times i plus 1. So 13 and 23 are the children of 10. You are not attending the practice sessions today, no? You are. Then you are a bit too late to figure out this. Did you read the article? No, that's fine. I, I think it's important that sometimes I, well, there are certain basic things that we have to assume, and if you fail on these basic understandings, then you are missing all the later points. Uh, okay. Um, so we, we just store the elements in the, in the array, and implicitly we know where are the particular nodes children, left and right, 12 and there is no right child of, of, of 6, and for every node where is it parent. The parenting is also in here. So the parent of 23 is 11 divided by 2, integer wise 5. 23 there, let's take 6 divided by 2 is 3, 5 is the, is the parent of 6. So in the heap, we can uh, implement a priority queue. So as I said, queue where we fetch by the priority. Find the highest priority value, perhaps delete it, and insert new values. The, some of the new operations that we would like to uh, have is that once we have the pointer somewhere, like in here, and suddenly we get updated information. It shouldn't be priority 2. It would be out of uh, out of the invariant, right? So uh, if we change the value ten into two in here, we just need to bubble it up. Therefore, decrease the key will have logarithmic complexity. We change the value of the key. Uh, I think I have a few slides about this later, but uh, but meanwhile you can try to stretch your brain and, and go back to A and A, algorithm and data structures course, in your mind and think where did you need these priority queues and decrease the key. Right. And then the new thing merge two heaps. If the heap is like this, how do you merge two heaps? Take the second Yeah, take the keep the larger, take the smaller, and just insert them one by one. That is m times logarithm of n plus n. The new ones will be added, right? The ultimate is the tree size will be n plus n. You have n in one, m in the other. You take m and add them and logarithm of n plus n. 
So if, if we have, think that m is smaller, m is larger, then we fetch one by one. Therefore, it's m times, and the operation will cost somewhere in here, right? Something like that. What is faster? We learned faster thing also last time. Just create a new array, throw everything in there, and in linear time make the heap. But, it, but this, is, uh, this is good enough. Uh, now, basically every, every operation will take logarithmic time in the binomial heaps, except that when you merge two heaps, then it's uh, linear or n times log n plus n. So we have been looking at this binary heap, worst case performance. You create in constant time, you insert in uh, logarithmic time, minimum is at the root, logarithmic time. When you extract the minimum, you may have to update the structure, logarithmic time. Union is linear time. Not, not like that, but in this case, probably heapify on the two merged heaps. Decrease key and delete. So today we are going to look at binomial heaps and Fibonacci heap a little bit, not into too high detail. What is different? In here, uh, these are logarithmic time. Union is also logarithmic time. Union is faster than linear time. I'm not quite sure why the T and O in here, what was the difference between T and O, but uh, in the time of binary man. So this is faster, the other operations remain logarithmic. But Fibonacci heaps, most of the operations take constant time, some take logarithmic time, and delete uh, logarithmic time. So even union of the two heaps is constant time. But this is amortized cost, and these are the worst case costs. So it's not that every operation would be achievable in this time. When you have many operations amortized over all the operations, you will have, on average, these uh, behavioral times. Uh, Okay, so let's start with binomial. From binary, we go to binomial. It's kind of hard to memorize, and I'm sure that after two years, you don't remember what is what, but uh, um, in here we can uh, start talking about this. So binomial trees is like we have perfect tree, which have, which have very specific shape, right? Binomial trees are constructed uh, by um, by uh, inductive uh, definition, 
So B0 is just one node. B uh, binomial tree of rank 1 is two nodes. So this is two nodes. And in the general case, to get binomial tree of rank i, we take binomial tree of rank i minus 1, binomial tree of rank i minus 1, and link them together. Right? Like this one. You have 0 and 0 order trees linked together. The other way to look at this is we have binomial tree of rank i minus 1 in here, and we have binomial tree of i minus one, rank i minus 1 in here. But for this, we know that this is actually binomial tree of i minus 2 linked together with, with binomial tree i minus 2. So if, if we open up this representation in here, we get equivalent representation for binomial tree of rank i is binomial tree of i minus 1, i minus 2, i minus 3, etc., until b binomial tree of rank 1 and b0. So this is this definition yields this shape. The I should have the Okay, the, the idea is, I, I just jump ahead, the idea is that we, this is a tree structure, we may have pointers towards the root, right, or also to the children, and the idea is that on, on to, to have this uh, key structure so that the top element is always the highest priority. On any path, you have the same sort of increasing values only when you have the smallest value in root, or decreasing values only when you have the largest value in the root. So you can always have access the minimal or highest priority value from the root. So that is the goal. But we are going to use uh, binomial trees that have this very specific shape. We don't have the full data structure yet. So uh, this was the definition of, uh, of a, uh, like in here, single node. And uh, two trees merge together. So the examples are here a little bit small in size, single node, two nodes linked, two nodes and two nodes linked. Uh, we have a basic tree of shape of size four. Four and four, we have this shape. Now we take eight and eight, we have this shape. Right. This is how the tree looks like. So the depth of this tree is this is rank 4, the depth is root and 4 layers, and when we start making the structure like this, but yeah, so this, this is one way to look at this very concrete, and then the other way was just to interpret this as the large tree, the, uh, the, the rank 3 tree, rank 2 tree, uh, tree rank 1 tree, and root. Uh, sorry, yeah, th this is the same illustration. So, at this stage, we have only defined the shape of a single binomial tree. How many nodes in the tree of rank k? To, to the power of k? 
exactly because in here it's 2 to the power of 1 is 2, 2 to the power of 3 is 8, 16, 32, 64, etc. You merge 2 together, you have, you have twice larger. So each tree will have power of two nodes. Uh, so two to the power of k nodes in the tree. The uh, height of that such tree is k. And if you look now at exactly certain uh, depth from zero to k, in the zero level there is one node, in the k level there is one, and in, in the middle layers, I, anything between 0 and k, is choose 2 out of 4. How many different ways to choose a 2 out of 4 combinations is, uh, should be 6. So on, on each layer we have uh, this number, number of combinations, how, how many ways you can choose I out of k at depth I. To just select zero, there is one way. To select all, there is just one way. The root has uh, degree k. The root has the highest degree. So for root, there is four children. Any, any other node has less children. So the root has the um, largest number of children. And uh, we can number the roots uh, number the children of the root from left to right. So for uh, rank three, four, we have three, two, one, zero. So this is just about the shape at the moment. To illustrate the same thing, this is the same shape. Um, if you traverse the tree in depth first order and output or number the uh, label the nodes in post order walk, you go down, 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 down. The first label is zero. The next one is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. 12, 13, 14, 15. Right. So we know the rank of every, or sort of the, this corresponds to this binomial uh, shape of the tree. We have just the shape. We say that our trees will look, will have these shapes. The problem is that you can only represent power of two elements in such a tree. So what is binomial heap? Binomial heap is a collection of such trees of different ranks, so that for every rank there is just a single tree at max. So this is a binomial heap where we have three trees. It's like a forest of trees, but each tree has different rank. So this was rank 3, rank 1, and rank 0. 8, 10, 11 nodes in this heap. And uh, since now you can use any power of 2 once, it's like a binary number system, you can represent any number of values. So we can insert into such a heap that is represented by a collection of binomial trees, any number of values. Right? 
this is uh, work from 1978, and Fibonacci hits from around 1984 uh, or something. So they are not so young as compared to a lot of computer science research done in the 1960s. So it's already 1980s stuff. And this is the collection of trees. And the point is that, as, as I said, the highest priority is always at the top. 1, 2, 5, 10, 1, 2, 9, 1, 5, 8, 1, 6. As long as the key property is maintained. We have multiple trees, therefore one of these three roots is the real minimum. So we have a list of trees of different ranks, and one of these roots is minimum. If we give the pointer to that one, we can fetch it in constant time. And to represent this, for example, then you can make a double link list in here so that you can go left and right, you can go left and right in here, etc. So the, at the top we need to link the roots and in here we need to uh, link the subtree roots so we can use double link lists to move left and right. I just mem remember that every node in here represents the binomial tree under, under it. So this is more for this structure for this structure in here, one, two, three trees, we have uh, three, uh, three roots and the individual subtrees in a complicated double link list manner. But by now you know double link lists, roughly the, the trees, so it's no brainer for you to implement this. Right? It takes time, but you can do it. And uh, moreover, what is shown in here is, uh, is uh, the value. Ten, we care about 10, 1, and 6. 10, 1, and 6 are there. And uh, we prefer to have the rank of this tree 0, 2, and 3. So that when we link in here, we know what this tree is about. Right? We link in here. This represents a tree root with a rank 2. So this tree is binomial tree of rank 2. With the double linked lists we can do magic. Like we can uh, merge lists together by just linking um, the ends of the lists. Now what what kind of operations we need is uh, the following. We had just these two trees of the same rank. We link them together by single link in here. Two trees of rank 4 and 4. So single link appears magically when you think in the case, the case of trees. So in, in order to do this, uh, you need to... We need to point uh, to the from the root, uh, from the current root to its new parent. Um, so we link to the new parent. This was a double linked list in here. So we make this double linked list to go from there and fix so that all these appear in the first layer of double linked list under one. So we make a new root. 
first node and double linked list. With a constant number of link reassignments, we can do this linking of the two trees, right? Deep. I have a question. Yes. Maybe I didn't understand, but I, I saw the binary uh, version where the zeros and ones were. I understood that how is how is the order like you get one, two, three, and so on. But I don't see how all these. No, no. In here, this was just to illustrate the label with the order. But but in here, the order in that ranking in that representation, I just said that the zero is here. Zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. The keys. No, that was just order. It, it was really just to make the point between the bi binomial tree and the binary system. The powers of two. Yeah. In here, the keys are the actual keys that we want to represent in the heap. So that the highest priority value is at the root, always. Any subtree you take, the highest priority value of that subtree is at the root. Right? So on any path, you have increasing values. On any path down, you have increasing values. So the smallest value is always at the top. Because we want to make the uh, priority Q, right? So this linking of the two trees happens by the first child was in here. Now we make a new first child and parent and just double link in here. So, so we Make this link, the red link, instead of the previous one, and link in here. Linking operation. So we take two trees of rank K and K, and we link them together, we get K plus 1, rank K plus 1. And now we are very much into the binary uh, representation of the integers. We can take a a representation of two heaps. One has rank 4, 3, 1, and 0 trees. The other has 4, 3, and 0 trees. When we want to merge two heaps together, we need to sort of meld one heap with the other. One heap has four binomial trees, the other has three binomial trees, and we need to make a new one out of those, so that every rank will be represented once. Zero and zero will give us rank three one, one and one will give us rank three two. So instead of zero, zero and one, we have just a single B2 tree with four elements. B3 will give us B4, one, two, three, one of those remains, and these two will be uh, linked together, we get B5 in there, it's like addition in the binary system, right? In here, we have 2 to the power of 5, 32 nodes in here. So 30, uh, 32 plus 16 plus 4. Uh, that is 52 nodes, elements in this binomial heap, right? 52. Uh, this is uh, 16 plus 8 plus 2, 26 plus 1 is 27. And this is uh, 16 plus 
25. Did I make a mistake somewhere? This is 52, right? Just merge two heaps. And heap is a linked list of, of uh, or sort of like heap is a collection of trees. So when we meld, you go through the list and create a new one. And uh, the point is that there should not be too many top layer, not too many trees. There is logarithmic number of trees. When you go through them, it's still a logarithmic time operation. That is the claim. Uh, so you have. So this is just illustration. Uh, more concrete numbers. We have two lists. Two sorry, two heaps, right? Uh, we have a double linked list in here, double linked list in here. So we merge them together. This is a joint representation, but now the rank 1 appears twice. We have to get rid of those. So 12 and 8 will form rank 2, and we had still two that had rank 1. Now we have 1, 2, 3 of those. We need to merge together those. We get 1 tree of rank 4, 1 tree of rank 4, and then we have this one. Um, so next we, uh, 12, 8, 2, 7, uh, let me see, 2, 25, yeah, these will be merged into rank 2, 4 nodes, these 4 nodes will give us 8 nodes, and this is the final outcome. Right. Once we do this, now we have few tree tops or few roots in here, and the smallest of them will be the top priority out of all the trees. Yeah, when you take the two, the one that has smaller value will be the root, and the other is just linked to that new root, right? in one way or the other. So this is a union, or melt. We do this union of two heaps by melding them together somehow. Yeah. And we don't call this anymore uh, just a heap. It's a it is a new heap that was that is built from the two original heaps. It is a new heap that has these binomial trees in here. Right? It is a new heap that has two plus eight plus. 16 nodes. What restriction does the same Yes. So this is a very, very rigid rules. We have every tree has specific shape, and uh, we don't want to repeat the same sizes multiple times because otherwise you have many small trees and then you lose the, all the logarithmic properties. Okay, so we we went through of this uh, union of two heaps and we got this solution. When we delete the minimum, is it the same tree? No, in here the minimum is this one. This is a new example, a tree and minimum value in here, right? 
we find the minimum if we have pointed to the minimum in constant time uh, or just go through the three tops in here we find it but now we want to delete this one what do we do first we remove it from the original tree and now when we delete it we have one list uh, one heap and when we delete this one what do we have we have the double linked list in here already we have a new heap reading from this side 25 12 16 and 6 25 12 16 and 6 if you delete one we have automatically more or less this heap structure you delete you have a new heap and then you melt them together and that's why this double linked list implementation is useful because this operation didn't cost us anything except just remove the tree top we have a new uh, heap and melding together like this if we want to decrease certain key like uh, 26 is there it is the same example 26 we want to decrease it to 7 26 is now 7 and this is out of order so then you just pass this up to this location right you sort of bubble it up the, the tree structure and in here this you don't need to do this anymore so we can decrease the key and it will affect maximal logarithmic um, steps so we have looked at finding we haven't but how do we insert insertion is simple we have the melt operation just add a new single b03 just a single node melt together deleting chop off the minimal root you have all the subtrees and uh, and uh, uh, just melt this together deleting a node from the middle of the tree if you want to delete this one you just make this priority zero bubble it up and then delete zero and melt again again the same operations can be used to achieve uh, different uh, tasks and each one of them, them will take logarithmic time on the worst case uh, okay so so far so good you could we can make a bit required this structure and we can we can do it the next one is uh, a little bit uh, of the theoretical consideration of of uh, of algorithmic complexity we talk about bits and maybe you don't see the connection immediately but the thing is if you do n times call increment a n times call this increment function question is what is the time complexity of n times increment and increment has a, a loop that goes through the length of a a is an array of 
length elements. Uh, we start from the zero index as long as uh, i is not uh, longer than length of uh, a. If that particular index contains value one, then we convert that. Maybe there is a little bit of syntax, uh, syntactic surerism mistakes in here. We, we play, put that ith bit into zero. If that was one, we make it zero, we increase i. So we do this as long as we hit once and we haven't exceeded the length. Then we stop. If the length has not been exceeded, we make the last value, i value, one. What is the complexity of this function? We call this n times. n times we execute this loop, the rest is constant time. n times we execute the loop. n times the length of a. n times the length of a. That is a... Oh. Yeah, yeah. You, that is certainly the upper bar. But it, it could be started stopping short, right? So actually what this code represents is sort of like binary counter uh, bit by bit uh, adding, right? We start from the zero and when we start adding n times the values, if we hit zero, this is not valid then we just make 0 into 1. So if we have this starting point, you immediately execute this, convert this bit into 1. In the next counter, we hit this, we convert that to 0, then we had 0, and we exit this loop and convert that into 1. 0, we can make it into 1 immediately. Uh, then we hit 1, convert to 0, 0, new 1, uh, make it 1 again. We have created 1, 0 in here, we just make it 1 again. So it's like binary counter. Now, what, what we want, what, what I asked in here is, how much does this binary counter cost us when you do it like this? A little bit seems artificial, but if we do it like this, n times, what is the overall time? It's like a binary counter in the Turing tape, back and forth. So actually what happens is, this is the longer run. Uh, this is, uh, the value is just binary counter up to 16. And you can see, if we, the pink area in here is the amount that we need to go through back and forth, right? So we just hit zero, we convert that into one immediately. When we, when we are here, we convert that to zero and uh, that to one. In here, next time we observe zero, we just convert it to one, uh, and the rest was unchanged. In here, we convert zero, zero, one. So from here, we apply algorithm making this one into zero, this one into zero, and this zero into one. So the pink area represents the bits that we touch ever. 
do you see the resemblance of this algorithm and this pink area? How, how, how it works? But what is the total work? In here we have touched one bit, plus two bits, plus one bit, plus three bits, plus one bit, plus two bits, one bit. So this is the actual total cost of this binary counter modification. So we counted until 16, but we ever touched only 32 bits. So that sort of says that even if you have this cycle that could go up to the length of the bit array, we have done the total effort that is linear in the, the value how much we counted. So this is intuitively just tells us that although some loops took more time, the total time was still linear, amortized over all the operations. So uh, uh, I'm going to show just one technique how this type of uh, amortized cost analysis is done. And this is done by, uh, by, by sort of adding potential. For example, we, we will define a new potential energy that we build up and then release. On the worst case, one increment may take more operations, right? How many digits needs to be touched and converted? But over the many uh, cases, we need to have some help. So we will define a, a, a potential. So and we say that amortized cost of increment over many operations is actual time to increment plus how much did we change the potential energy in here. This may be a little bit uh, too uh, abstract still. So amortized increment of a single operation is actual increment of this single operation plus how much did we, what is the delta difference between after and before the potential energy? After and before, how much did we build up the energy or give up? Give up? So amortized increment is actual plus the delta in the energy or this potential energy. The first operation, second, n operations, we want to uh, count all the actual increments plus all the deltas in here. If we sum all these up, it's n times actual increments, of course, sum over all the actual increments, plus when you add these together, then you can see that F1 minus F1, it's a telescopic sum, everything cancels out except the phi zero, phi zero and phi n. So how much uh, the end point and the starting point. So if the end point, if, if in here is positive value, then amortized increment is uh, larger than this actual increment, if, if this is uh, positive, because then this must be smaller than this one. Now, this is roughly the outline of the technique, and let's apply this to the, this binary counter, ones and zeros. And let's define potential energy as the number of ones in that bit vector. The counter is number of ones 
uh, in the bit vector. So amortized increment does actual increment plus the delta of phi. Amortized increment is actual increment is just um, one bit that is. Uh, uh, let me think. The amortized increment, the, the one single actual operation that we did, we converted the last zero into one. Yeah. We converted one zero into one. But then, what happens to our potentials? On the way, we converted ones into zeros. When we hit ones, then we converted those into zeros. Uh, Delta phi, sorry. Um, yeah, how many, how many we lost? How many ones did we lose? And we introduced a new one. Yeah. So this is the delta phi after and before. So the delta is how many ones we converted into zero, and then one we converted, one zero we converted into one. So this is the, the amount that we did change the, the, the potential. And before, all these ones that were now converted into zeros, uh, these were there in before. So the delta between this is in here. Uh, we lost those, those ones. So these were there before. And in here, the new state minus this. So basically, this difference in here gives us the delta. How many ones we lost, we introduced a new one, and how many ones we lost, so basically that is the difference between before and after. And again, these cancel out, so one actual increment and uh, one extra work, so amortized increment, in fact, uh, if we just count the potentials, is still constant time operation. So sequence of n increments takes linear time. When you add element over all this long run, count how many ones you have. Once you have many ones, you, you have plenty of time to make those into zeros. Uh, or vice versa, when you have... Uh, yeah, once you make them zeros, then you have to build up again the ones. Now the link to the... Binomial heaps is that we can apply the same thing as the um, phi is the collection of heaps, is the number of trees. How many trees we have a single heap? And when we start uh, inserting one by one new single element trees, then this is like making a binary counter, one by one adding bits. But amortized, all these uh, insertions are constant time. So we, when we do, do lots of insertions, then amortized cost is constant time per operation. Although in some cases, you have to touch multiple trees. 
So this, uh, all this bit vector update is basically like why it is in here, just to give you a resemblance between the binomial heap update one by one inserting elements and showing that this is every operation is going to take constant time amortized. But other operations when you amortize still take logarithmic time, just the insertion of one by one. So binomial tree, in fact, supports insertions in constant time over long period of time. Is this argumentation? Could you follow this? So we had the binomial heap structure that is multiple trees, and we claim that if we had one single node tree all the time into this structure, then occasionally you need to touch many trees, but the overall work is still constant for every operation on average. So, uh, so this is a binomial heap with a very rigid tree structures requiring just one single tree of specific rank. But now the question is, what will happen if we start uh, some tricks that you can start making is, maybe what will happen if you allow more than one tree of each rank? The basic operations will still run, right? You have just more tree tops, trees. So maybe you can start saying that, oh, let's uh, do behave lazily, just meld the thing, uh, things together in, in a constant time, keep uh, melding together the lists, and occasionally, time to time, fix up the mess that we have created. So if we have this lazy meld operation, then we could have the perfect of the situation that we have just many trees of, the, of a zero rank. All your code will still work. All your code will still work. It's a double linked list of three roots. Just all the trees are very small. But with this lazy meld, uh, it's possible to say that, okay, meld is just constant time because it's just meld them together without caring what will happen later. Um, and over the amortized period, when you do this uh, many times, it will turn out that you can get uh, constant time behaviors on, on average uh, on, the, on, on the amortized. And once, time to time, we need just to clean up this mess and do the successive linking uh, to create the larger uh, trees if this is a forest of trees, when you just go through, link together the appropriate trees, we get the, uh, we get the new uh, forest of trees. And then, by counting the number of trees, and number of links, and max ranks, basically, it's possible to say that, um, to do this analysis, how much does it take altogether. But the basic technique was to define some potential energy. You, you, you can think of this that you, you do some operation and time to time you sort of pay some extra up front. Later, you can use that energy and release this. 
So as much as you have built up, it's, they were still each one constant time operations, and then you can release them in the constant time. Okay, so that was about binomial heaps, uh, and a little bit of heat that you, when you, what happens when you start relaxing some assumptions. When, when you start relaxing the assumption that there was each three size only, uh, only represented once. What Fibonacci heaps, some five, six, seven years later, um, offered was that, that um, added more relaxations to the heap. Uh, where did we use the binomial property of the tree? Now we only looked at the three roots. And subtrees were also three roots, right? Did we anywhere require this kind of that each tree had a very specific size? Not really. And what Fibonacci heaps uh, offered is uh, something where uh, decrease key would be also faster than delete. Well, we said that decrease key was to uh, bubble up the zero value and delete it, insert again. Sort of like decrease key was sort of slow because we deleted one node uh, and inserted the new one again. But decrease key should be fast. Changing one key should be fast. So that was that is the argumentation for Fibonacci heaps, one of those. And some other operations will also become constant time uh, amortized. Okay, you have plenty of time to think about where did you use the decrease key in the algorithms. Priority queues, decrease key, change the value of some keys. The answer was on the next slide. Some of you had a flash. You had quick visual. So the example there is, is about graph algorithms um, and the shortest path estimates from one node to any other. So you know, with the graph algorithms, you, when you start adding the actual distances to, on the row between the two nodes, uh, how do you find the smallest, uh, shortest paths? You have to always say that, oh, currently I know that through this path, I hit this city in this distance, right? But through some other shortcut, you decrease distance you suddenly find a better way to that location. And how the Dijkstra algorithm works is, it only looks at the closest uh, neighborhood and always tries to uh, improve the, the shortest path first. So we have the front, starting from top, you start moving every way out, every village, every town. And we want to find the shortest path to everywhere from top to. So we will have the, uh, the front 
everything that can be reached in 25 kilometers, right? 26 kilometers, 27. And then you extend the, the one that is shortest, see if, is there anything from 27 plus 1. 28, 29, you have one that is 27, there is hope to find something that is 28. And from 28, with one hop you can go to, previously you thought that it was 30, now you have 29. So you get smaller to every node. That is the basics of the Dijkstra algorithm that you all know from the algorithm and data structures. So we have the huge front, and you always want to fetch the highest priority, the closest to you, to make the next hop out from there. And that's where you, you can use the priority queues. You put everything, all the front in the priority queue, the fetch the closest, update, and with this update, you may get smaller distance estimates to new nodes. So, uh, successively, you may need to have lots of uh, decrease key updates when you store things, uh, shortest paths, in the priority queue. Uh, so, in the shortest paths, in Dijkstra's uh, algorithm or uh, Prim's algorithm for minimum spanning trees, so these we are going to look at in the, in the graph sections, edges in the, in the graph, you always want to find the smallest one and then do merge the two parts of the graphs. You apply both the priority queue and the union find in the minimum spanning tree. You don't want to connect two subtrees twice. If they are connected once, that's enough. So both of these, uh, Union find that we touched last, week, uh, last lecture, and uh, uh, priority queues are used in these algorithms. Okay. Uh, so, the Fibonacci heaps have the same heap and tree-like properties. The list of uh, three tops in there, one of those is the actual minimum, and again, the double-linked list representations, but now the trees don't necessarily look the same exactly rigid structures. Nevertheless, you can still link together the trees and uh, do, the, do the meld type of operations. So the top is always the smallest. Um, just very similar to binomial tree, but a little bit more relaxed. When you insert, you insert the elements to the left from the root. So one by one, you have new elements just next from the root. And root is always the, the smallest value. So you may, you may end up in this situation, right? You just keep adding. You have the uh, three tops, and one of those, the root is still in here. So we don't do anything to these single nodes at the moment. When we start deleting the nodes, then we fix the structures when needed. So we find minimum in constant time, um, and then there is some potential of uh, potential. Uh, of the heap defined, uh, I'm not going. Uh, 
okay, we, I, I have not defined the uh, potential in here, but there is a, uh, like we did this potential analysis, the number of trees perhaps is, is your potential, you build up more trees, and then you have to uh, release them. Um, so, when you extract something, then when you delete three, then the new ones, 18, 52, 38, just appear in the top list in here. And in constant time, you delete. But the problem is that now you don't have anymore the pointer to the smallest value. So now, when, when you need to find the next smallest value, you have to look through this list. And while you do the, uh, this, uh, while you do go through the list, you actually do the merging of the tree as, as you go. Uh, so different, uh, you maintain how many different uh, rank trees there is. So there is uh, um, of rank one, of rank two, and when you start going through, then the twos you merge together, etc. So basically, you, you generate list of trees, and you keep merging them until you find the smallest one. And now you found the, both the smallest uh, element in the tree tops, and you have made a larger uh, heap underneath. Okay, uh, then decreasing the keys is something very, I think it was like this, if you want to decrease this key, instead of 10, that becomes uh, 3, for example. Instead of bubbling up, you just uh, cut 10, 12, instead of 10, you, you make it 7. But then you, you cut the subtrees in top in here. So instead of, uh, instead of uh, having long chains, we have suddenly again multiple small heaps uh, that are all these small heaps. After we, after we decrease the, uh, the value here, we suddenly generate multiple heaps and uh, put them, throw them into the heap structure. And the way, why this was uh, sort of cascading cuts were needed uh, just because of the of this amortized cost analysis will will work out, but the trees will be more relaxed as compared to the binomial trees. There are simulators on the net. You can start throwing in the values, see what will happen when you just keep adding the values, or keep or delete the minimum. What will happen to the tree structures? And I think it pays for you to actually go through these videos and. Uh, uh, get a feeling what happens at one every step. Okay, um, I think I will stop um, about the heaps in here. My point wasn't to go too detailed into the Fibonacci heaps because it's getting a little bit too technical. The point is that the trees may change the shape. Also, this one is, is a valid tree in this Fibonacci, key, uh, uh, Fibonacci uh, heap case. So this is a le legitimate uh, tree, but the standard analysis would break down, but this applied the amortized cost analysis and it will work out. 
Um, so there is a number of trees and some marked nodes, and the potential is uh, defined by the number of trees. Uh, so the marked nodes, when you do extra work, then you mark them, and later you can uh, use this mark marking to know what exactly to perform at every step. Okay, uh, and the code examples. What we have achieved, we have the priority queues, linked list operations, linear time, binary tree. You can also implement the balanced binary tree version of the, of the priority queue. This is the standard minimum heap of the uh, binary heap times uh, Fibonacci trees, so you can, uh, Fibonacci heap, so you can see how the most operations start taking constant time, uh, amortized, amortized, amortized. Is there any hope to make the data structure which implements every operation in constant time? Seems impossible. Never take anything as impossible unless you can prove it. If you would have the some kind of priority queue where you insert values in constant time and fetch values, the smallest value in, in constant time, and delete that constant time, what will that give to you? That would give us linear time insertions and linear time fetching in the uh, sorted order. That would give us linear time sorting. And that is not possible, as we know. In here, when, when we compare the keys. So that is the proof that there cannot be a priority queue that implements all the operations in linear time. Either we pay upfront insertions or in deletions, somewhere we have to pay extra work. Ah, okay. Uh, the heap part wasn't over yet. Let's get rid of the comparisons of the, of the values. Comparisons gave us this uh, end log end sorting constraint, right? So we can make also trees for the heaps that get rid of the of this comparison thing. And in fact, what we I think we do, yeah, this is the easier to understand. What this tree represents are the bit strings of length exactly the height of the tree. And if we insert a bit string, one bit at a time, if it's zero, we go left, one, we go right, zero, one, one, zero, 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 one, one, zero, 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 zero. So we insert the bit string into this binary structure in there, right? Uh, zero, one, 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 zero, zero, one, one, zero, zero, etc. So now to, you can fetch 
the key, you can ask from this structure, you can insert a new bit string exactly as is, right? You can delete, if you want to delete this one, then you have to delete this path until the first merger point, right? This is what you do when you delete. Membership, either the path exists and you have found it, and only the length of the bit string, right? The length of the key, not the number of the keys. Or if there is missing path, then this uh, value is not in the in the in the queue. Smallest value is always try to go to the left. And this bitwise string, the smallest value. How do we find the predecessor? So this one, the predecessor pre is the previous one. You go up to the first branching point, and then go and fetch the largest value in here. Okay. I wanted to go back to one slide. So I showed you, started with this implementation of the bit string. Any integer, any string you can represent as a bit string. If you make them equal length, then you can insert in this structure. Right? The question, question is just how to store the, the links. And, and the way how this is stored, uh, sorted is, is sort of thinking what the bit string structure would look like and keeping these like the pages in the memory, so having Eight bits, uh, one, two, three, seven bits in here, but basically seven bits in each in each block. You can have you basically one byte enough to represent each block, and then I think you identify whether there is something or there is not. And if if there is not, then there is no single value that goes through this node. You can stop at that moment. And then you uh, basically can figure out how large the data structure that implements the tree for this case will be. So it, it will be the number of the number of elements, the number of uh, these blocks that you need to store somewhere. Uh, and broader queue uh, gives you constant time, uh, constant time operations. Insertion is only depends on the key length, so it's actually not uh, constant time exactly. It's the key length. Uh, accessing minimum uh, is just left, 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 or maybe you keep the pointer to that. And uh, why is the deletion logarithmic? You need to find the smallest and then uh, delete it from the structure uh, going up to the branching point. So this proto, was it? Oh no, sorry, that was a different structure. But M the boss tree is, is this one. So I now mixed uh, different ones. I, I don't know exactly the details of the proto queues. Okay. Uh, that would conclude the heaps. The, that are used for priority queues.
most of them, right? Any questions about that? They are going to be extremely useful when you start implementing any type of heuristic, greedy heuristic. Always start working with the next optimal case, next, next, next optimal. Like like we talked about the uh, these uh, Dijkstra algorithm or Prince algorithm. Everything that is greedy, try to figure out what is the highest priority for next. You just throw these values in the priority queues and fetch the next value from there. About the heaps, but, uh, but if you write what you want to see, and if you, if you manually add memory, then what's called the memory is added from heap, is there some other uh, No, I think in the memory management, uh, the, in the memory management is, uh, I, I don't know all the details. When, when you call a subroutine, then you waste, uh, put that on the, on the stack, right? So from one side you have the stack, the, where you go back, I mean the, the pointers when you uh, complete the subroutine. But when you fetch a new memory, allocate new memory, it's, it's sort of like usually, I, I think it sort of grows from the other side. So you have a, just that heap is for the memory allocation. But I don't know if the priority heap is, uh, priority queue is analog holes in there. It's just from where you allocate new memory for your data. My understanding. You can ask the people who are closer to the compiler construction. Okay, uh, I thought that I would spend only half an hour, but it, it was hour and 15 minutes. Um, so, Maybe it's good. Maybe it's good because then we can go through this material twice, today and uh, Thursday. Let's do something really crazy now. <laughs> Everything that you have learned, we we do something really crazy. What is succinct? Uh, succinct is something that is very somehow very compact. The, there are multiple ways of uh, compact. One is in, it's almost a compression, right? We have some data, data structure go, and we ask what is the smallest possible space where we can hold that data. Suppose that Z is some function that tells this is the information theoretical bound, purely theoretical bound of the number of bits, how many bits do you need to store some data, theoretical. And uh, if our actual representation of this data, Z is the optimal, you can't beat that, right? If we just add some constant bit, bits of space, then it's sort of implicit. Think of the bi binary heap. We represented the tree without any pointer. Right? We didn't waste any space for that tree, just perhaps the size of the tree. Implicitly all the links were there, but we never needed to represent those. So implicit would this in this case just say that we have the individual values in the array that the keys we have to have anyway, 
and the tree structure for tree structure we didn't waste any space. Succinct takes this optimal and then constant is not quite enough. Constant for, for hundred and million and for gigazillion can't handle it. But small level of z, some function of gigazillion, maybe logarithmic or log log, you add extra bits of space. But this will be much less than the original size of z. So therefore, it will be less than two times zeta, for example. It will be grow, growing uh, slower than zeta. Uh, and compact is big O of z, so it can be any constant times z. So this is still compact. You have the z that is optimal, and we just have that uh, some constant times. So this is the kind of the goal. Srinivasa uh, Rao was, uh, I'm using his slides, he was applying it here as uh, a social professor. Unfortunately, he didn't move from Singapore because of the family issues for a teenage girl to come here to continue education in South would not be so easy. But, uh, but he was uh, uh, presenting this in his Veni Elegendi. Um, so, some examples of these succinct data structures, and uh, we are going to look at the uh, trees. The goal is to somehow represent the data in close to optimal space. Right? That is what we said. But the problem is not, we don't just want to compress, but we also want to support the operations efficiently. Like in the tree, it's not about just throwing it on the disk and say that you can read it open into memory and then you can do something, right? We want this minimal structure to also support the operations. It's not that you just compress it with the GZIP. Uh, so it's the extension of this uh, data compression. And in data compression, of course, you would like to get the optimal space but you don't know what will happen to the queries. In here we want to think how to maintain the queries. Why? Computers are getting bigger, right? Or your telephones are getting more and more memory. But memory is still limited. Uh, mobile phones have still limited the amount of memory. And think of all the tiniest little processors that you want to throw everywhere. Internet of things, everything will be computer, right? They will have very limited amounts of memory for the sake of power consumptions, etc. You want to have something that is as small as possible, on one end. On the other hand, you have so much data that saving that data five times is inconceivable. Your data structures have to be as small as possible when you do start implementing uh, large databases for, for massive amounts of data. Uh, data search engines, etc. So there is so much data, you can't hold it in the disk. You better make it as small as possible and still support the operations. And of course, it, it could, uh, could be applied for trees, graphs, uh, bit vector sets, dynamic arrays, lots of different things where you may want to have these kinds of data uh, structures. 
XML documents, maybe you would like to uh, push them over the net as small as possible, still support operations on them. Assumptions, we take this word random access memory model, so the word size is theta of log of n, log of n, uh, n values, to just have the pointer into any of these n values is log of n. Right? So this is uh, n values and the, the word size is logarithmic in the, in the number of uh, um, elements. Reading, writing to specific random access memory location, addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, shifts, and or XOR are not. All the basic operations will, in this world, will take constant time. Operations in the CPU will take constant time. And then is the problem size, or this is the amount of data. So this is assumptions, right? Uh, of course, again, motivation, directories, search trees, graph structures, all these things, we use trees to represent XML documents, for example. Now the problem is that the standard trees have all these pointers, they take a lot of space, and still even in the basic implementation support very few operations. Sometimes you need to have, we, we sort of said that to support new operation maybe you need extra information. Like what is the tree subtree size of a node? We added this once, right? Just log n bits for every node added. Uh, for any two nodes, what is the least common ancestor where they split it? It can be implemented with constant overhead space per node, so that constant time you can fetch the least common ancestor. High depth of the nodes, all these kind of extra information that you may need to either calculate or store. Uh, but then you always throw in a lot of data. Suffix tree, uh, anybody heard of suffix trees? This is the full text index of text, full text index that has linear size and supports constant time uh, operations. So in, in, in principle, for example, linear time is sort of like you go through data once or, or small constant number of times, yeah? and then you have lookup in constant time in, in regards of the lookup. And then you can take the entire internet, you can index it just as theoretically as fast as just going through the data, and then you have all the successive. You can afford indexing, and every operation after that will become constant time for full text without the word boundaries to even know. Like DNA, there is no word boundaries. And you can find, is this substring anywhere in the text? Of course, you could just attempt it every time, and yes, it is. Or you can index and just go through the tree and say, yes, it is. So uh, suffix trees is really nice uh, index structure, but the standard textbooks, the standard implementations, Still less than 10 years ago, it's you waste 20 times the space of the original text 
you put it put that for all it depends on what kind of implementation but imagine your DNA is three gigabytes and now to index it you need 30 gigabytes 10 times more space memory was more expensive that was too much but uh, or in here 700 megabytes to 40 gigabytes so gigabytes of space to store the index so we need something that is more compact that where we don't store the pointers successively what is our binary tree binary tree has in the plane representation has left and right child two pointers per node right <laughs> This doesn't have a right point, a right uh, child, so th there's a null pointer. How do you make uh, this representation twice smaller? You put left and right child next to each other. Just one pointer to both. That is easy. Um, you can represent this get rid of some of the pointers but it's, you will still have n node tree will have two n pointers or two n and logarithm of n bits per pointer so it could be done in n log n plus some o n bits you find you can find left child right child uh, in constant time but when, when you want to have the parent or subtree size, every time you need to space, use extra space, the pointer to the parent or the size of the subtree. Now, um, there is theoretically there is less than two to the power of two n distinct binary trees of n nodes. All the ways how you can store n nodes in the binary trees, there is 2 to the power of 2n ways. Less than 2 to the power of 2n. If we just want to say this particular one out of all these, how many bits do we need? Logarithm of this, therefore 2n bits. 2n bits should be enough to identify one of those. 2 to the power of 2n different trees. So if there is 2 to the power of 2n different trees, then theoretically 2n bits should be enough to tell this is the tree structure, ignoring all the data in the tree. That is the particular tree we are thinking about at the moment. Uh, so 2n bits should be enough to distinguish between any two different binary trees. And now the question is, can you take this n-node binary tree and store it in 2n bits to support all the operations? Uh, this part, how many different uh, binary trees there is, 2 to the power of 2n, this is uh, something that is close to Catalan numbers. You can look at the trees that have exactly three nodes. These five cases are all the ways all the structures that the binary tree can have once uh, the one that has three nodes and then 
always when you have one more node, you can have the, all the ways how you can make the binary trees on the left, all the ways how you can make on the right. There will be k, there will be m, uh, and uh, this will be k plus m plus one node. So all the combinations for all the k's is there just one single zero, one, two, up to this value. How big is the left tree? How big is the right tree? We sum over all the cases. How many combinations to have the left tree? How many combinations on the right? Multiply them together. This is the sum. Yeah. Catalan numbers for any split. And then you can count. Uh, we can look up the Catalan numbers. So basically, there is a proof that. Uh, there will be less than 2 to the power of 2n different, uh, different trees. Okay, uh, and this is one of them. So now the, uh, now the trace is uh, R. Right? Why can't we store it as efficiently as binary P without showing any pointers? Because the heap would become too sparse somehow. The heap-like structure would be. You could you could have just empty slots, but there would be lots of empty slots. So let's do the tricks. First, this is our original tree that has n nodes. Let's just add leaves to fill in the space. How many leaves? Internal nodes and leaves. We have covered that. n plus 1 leaves, n internal nodes, one more leave, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, there must be 7, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, there must be 8 internal nodes, all this, we added leaves everywhere where possible, so this is a, every node has two children in here. Now. Internal nodes are the blacks, the gray nodes are the leaves, zeros. Just one, 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 zero, one, one, zero, one, zero, zero, one, zero, 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 is a bit vector that uniquely defines this tree. Reading from layer by layer, breadth first, going through the bits. How many bits? We started with the n black ones. You have two n plus one bits. And that is a representation of, of this tree structure. So we can have two n bits to represent the tree. Two n plus one bits in this case. So we can store it. Can we do operations in, on this? So this is the representation that is from this unique to this one and from this unique to this one. So let's. Uh, um, what is this? What are these numbers? One, two, three, four, five, six. Just level by level. 
This is the position of the bit, right? Fifteenth uh, bit should be this one. We don't need to solve this. We have two n plus one. The green is just to illustrate that we know where each bit is. We don't need to solve it. Let's do the same one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, just for the internal nodes. The red indicates where the ones are. Again, this is kind of stupid. We don't need to do that, right? We know if you come from here, then we know that this was sixth one, right? But let's add it in there. So how do we uh, how do we make operations on this tree? So pay attention to the color red and and, uh, and green. Left child of the red x is two x looked up from the green matrix. Uh, left child, I have more examples. Left child of of this two should be this one, right? Left child of uh, two is two uh, x is four, and look up the fourth. But of course, this is uh, in here. This in here, this was everything was okay, like the normal heap, right? But um, let's take something more complicated. In here, we have this missing. Right? So the 6 is somehow sooner than in the full heap. So left child of 3 should be at 2, 3, 6. 6 value, but that is the fifth one. So this one is in here. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Fifth node is in here. So the fifth value is our left child of, of three. And the uh, right child is right next to that. Parent of the 13 is uh, six. That is the red five. Parent of, so what did I say? Parent of 13 is uh, Sixth, so this is this bit in here. So it takes time uh, to try to figure out uh, yourself. I, I had another sort of example in here: one, two, three, four, five, six. In, indeed, you can represent the bit vector, bit vector rank, and these nodes, which bit is set, fourth bit in here, and uh, you can have a look. Right child of uh, 4 is 2 times 4, 8 plus 1, 9, the ninth bit is the right child of 4. This 6, sixth value is the right child of 4th value. So you can actually, we can almost do the same as, as binary heap, by, by knowing the bit, this bit vector, 
We know the counts, and by knowing which bits are set, based on these two, we can do the operations. And the, the trick is that we only need to store this bit vector, the blue one. We don't need this one. And there is an efficient way to identify, like point anywhere in the bit vector and say, what is its rank? How many, bit, how many, how many ones before this position? Or how many zeros before that position? So there are efficient ways to look up this data. So the red one is more important in here, in a way, but there are efficient ways, more efficient ways than just count from the beginning how many ones. So there is in the bit vector representations that would support these operations. Okay, so uh, next time we start again from this, uh, in here you can have some food for thought, and uh, we will go through the, the crazy bit again. See you.